Colossians 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things where? Above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on th- minds on things above, not on earthly th- things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. I'm going to share a little bit about uh, what the Lord has been kind of dealing with me regarding, um, regarding a call on our lives. How many people believe that God has a call on every life here? Okay. How many know that God has already called you whether you've listened or not in Christ? Okay. But how many know that many times we get confused in trying to understand the call in our lives? And I think, I'll be quite honest with you, in our good old American fashion, we make it way too complicated. And I want to dig in a little bit here and look at what is the calling, church in Colossus. Now, first of all, Paul says again to the church in Colossus, since you've been raised with Christ, in other words, you have Jesus where? In your life. Since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts and your minds where? On things above, where Christ is. You died. Your your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I'm going to say one more time. Far too often we overlook the fact that 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, We are dead. Our life is dead. The new has come. Whose life has come into our life? Not even our life. Whose life has come into us? Christ. Our old life is dead. Now, let me say something to you guys real quick. How many know that it is far too often that we see people who uh, pray a prayer to Jesus, ask Him into their lives, basically put Jesus' name on a sticky note, stick it right here, and then walk life as though Jesus is attached to, their, to their, themselves. That's not what we are called to. We are not called to stick Jesus to our lives. Our lives are to be what? Dead. They're gone. They're old. We cannot keep resuscitating an old life, a dead life. We've got to lay it down. Our old life fails us every time. The only life that will not fail us is the life of Jesus Christ now in us, in Christ. Amen? Amen. It will not fail us. It will not fail us. I think I need to say that one more time because sometimes we blame Jesus for what's going on in our lives when we say we begged, we pleaded, when in actuality we're trying to operate many times out of our own dead life. See, the gospel's really been cheapened in a lot of ways when we just encourage people, don't, don't stone me yet, hear me, when we just encourage people to say a prayer so they can get to heaven. We just cheapen the gospel then. How many here tonight know where you're going to go if you should die? And how many people don't know where they will go? And sometimes you get hands up. And then you say, well, I got a quick way to fix that. Got this prayer called the sinner's prayer. I'm going to have you pray and you're good to go. Now we laugh at how nonchalant I am saying that, but that is many times how we handle our Christianity. 
I signed a card that says, yes, Jesus, come into my heart, and that is it, and it's my fire insurance in my back pocket. I'm good to go. I know it's falling apart. So then what ends up happening is I tell Nancy over and over again, I know your life's falling apart. I know it's falling apart. You need Jesus. I share Jesus with Nancy, and, and, but I keep telling her, hey, it'll be better. God will make your life better. And you'll go to heaven. And so Nancy says, okay, she checks it off. Yes, I want Jesus into my, in my life because who doesn't want to go to heaven? Who doesn't want their life better? But the problem is, she begins to walk this life known as the Christian walk and finds out that life isn't always what? As a matter of fact, she keeps wondering why her life is not better when the Bible says she's not supposed to have her life anymore. She's supposed to have whose life? Christ's life. How many know that there are far too many Christians that keep trying to live a life where their life gets better rather than live the life of Christ? And then we get all upset and disillusioned. Why isn't this Christianity thing working? Because you won't kill the old life. You keep letting your flesh dictate to you. You keep allowing self to dictate to you. So we tell people, hey, pray a prayer. Pray a prayer. I'm going to tell you what. I love the altar. I do. I think it's a place that you and the Lord can get serious when we're, when we're gathered together. I think it's great, and I think it's important that we encourage each other and point each, people to the fact that, you know what, without Jesus, we're all headed for hell. But if I'm simply telling that person, I don't want you to go to hell, I want you to go to heaven, so say this prayer, I am completely missing the whole part of what Jesus wanted to do in the first place. He came to transform us not just to make sure we get to spend eternity with him. He came to change us here and now. Here and now. So it's kind of like this. I heard a pastor who said this, and I just love how he said He said, Jesus didn't come just so he'd get you to heaven. Jesus came to get heaven into you. That's a big difference, isn't it? How many people have professed Christianity, you don't see much heaven in them? And I'm not trying to be uh, condemning. I'm saying that's what we end up doing. My goal here is not to get to heaven. My goal is that heaven get into me. Then it's fixed where I'm going for eternity if heaven's within me. See, that's why as Christians, many of us were just hunkered down waiting to be whisked off. But in the same way, the word says, Father in heaven, mine before others that they may see your good and glorify your Father in heaven. See, God wants you set in eternity so he can do something with you now. Because I'm going to tell you what. Think about this with me for a moment. Who's still with me after five minutes into a sermon? Think with me just for a moment. What's the purpose of being called a Christian? Well, what is a Christian? Most pointed answer is a little Christ. That's what you are, a little Christ. If the Lord was solely concerned and his whole plan had, was all about you getting to heaven, then the moment you say yes to him and you are baptized in that baptismal pool, you're dead. He'd take you home. Right? 
You would have died as soon as you said yes. But that's not how the Lord desires to work. He wants to get you so you are anchored, as the word says, to the throne room, your eternity. He wants you anchored there so that then he can do something with you here now. And I see far too many Christians just wasting their lives that God wants to use. Wasting away out of fear, out of apathy, out of frustration, you name it, disappointment, none of which really are connected to the Father, but to our own selves. Let's look at verse 5 and move on down. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature... Sexual immorality of all kinds. Of all kinds, folks. We can run the gamut. I know the big, the big focus is on homosexuality. Yes, included in here. But I'm going to tell you what. There's far too many in the heterosexual world that are living sexual immorality. And they never want to talk about it. And it happens in the church all the time. Put to death sexual immorality. Impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is what? Idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. That's why he had to deal with the sin, because of the sin that works in the human nature. This is, it may, it, we're all about ourselves. The immorality, the impurity, the lust, it's all about us. It's me, 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 me. He says, no, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but that life is now what? Gone. It's dead. The new has come. Here's more self-centered stuff. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Here's more self-centered stuff. Anger. You say, wait a minute. I didn't know anger was a sin. I just thought what you did in anger was a sin. That's right, but I think a lot of times we just rationalize our anger. And say, well, I'm allowed to be angry. Yeah, but what good is it doing you? What good is it doing you? It's always an open road to the pit of hell. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Now, I'm going to include filthy language in in one term. We talk about curse words, right? Cursing. Filthy language includes two things. Both those filthy words that, yes, they're common in our society, maybe not in another society, but both those words because you and I both know what we're saying when we say them. And number two, truly cursing another. You know what else filthy language is? Me calling Willie a loser, a failure, a reject. I'm cursing him. That's filthy language coming from my lips. Lips that were not meant to speak those kind of things. Words that were not meant to worship God Almighty and then speak garbage. He says, it's time to get rid of who? Self. It's time. And it's time to be set free to receive who God is in you and through you. And he goes on to say, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. And who is the new self? Which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. I'll get to that in a second. Here there is no Gentile 
or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarians, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Okay. I'm just going to be very point blank when all the, what is it, what is Paul getting at this? Got to get rid of the self, got to get rid of the old life, got to put it all. How do I do that, God? By what did it say in the first couple of verses? Setting your minds on what? Things above. You get in God's presence, he's going to change you. There is no way. Let me give you a common example. I'm going to give James a fork here in a second. I'm going to ask James to walk over here and stick the fork in this light socket. I can guarantee you life will change very quickly when he encounters that power, right? That's what's going to happen. Hair's going to stand up on end. Now, what happens when you encounter the power of creation? The power of all life, God Almighty. What happens when you truly... I have knowledge. No, I'm not just talking about, oh, I read here and I read there and I have knowledge. No, I'm talking about, God, I surrender. I just want you. What's going to happen? You're going to be changed. Church can't gathering together on Sunday morning isn't going to do it for you. Reading your Bible, front cover to back cover and back again, and that's it, not living it, isn't going to do it for you. Begging God instead of talking to God and receiving and giving, unless you're doing those things, is not going to do anything for you. Getting in God's presence says, hey, lay aside what you think, because my thoughts are a lot higher. How many have ever thought when it said in the scripture, his thoughts are much higher than our thoughts, his ways are much higher? How many of us have ever thought, well, that means we'll never understand God's thoughts or God's ways, if that's the case? That's not the case at all. He's just saying, I think a whole lot better than you do. And my ways are a whole lot better than your ways, so I'm going to give you the mind of Christ so you know what that looks like. Because if you just rely on your thinking, how many people are good at relying on their thinking and then they overthink and get themselves in trouble? Yes. Do it all the time. Do it all the time. It becomes an inroad for the enemy to start lying to you. I won't deny, I spent, um, prior to vacation, I told my wife, I said, we had just figured out that we needed to take a vacation. And then I realized there's no way I can do this. I got too much work to do. I got too much of God's work to do. And I told her, I said, I have never felt more inconvenienced by a vacation in all my life. And I so started to believe that, that I, had, I couldn't stop, that I had to go, that it began to affect me physically with some of the garbage that I, I deal with once in a while. I was struggling to sleep. I'm, I'm, I'm on edge. I'm irritable. Chest pains, a whole nine yards. Anybody been there before? Again, you know, at times. All that stuff. And then the enemy starts saying, everybody hates you. I, I just, I, come on, I'm just telling you now. You got, oh, come on, Dave. No. Look at yourself in the mirror. How often does this happen to you? There's people upset at you. There's people aggravated at you. And I'm sitting there going. <laughs> now you got to get in the van Friday morning. Put a smile on my face. Going on vacation. Going on vacation. Inside, I'm going, ah! Right, Tracy? <laughs> you can only laugh about it. I mean, my... 
And she's like, are you sure you want to go on this? Uh, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> Who's been there? And who's also been on the other side when you start to listen to truth and you're going, oh my gosh, how stupid was that? Thank you, Jesus, you love me. Thank you, Jesus, you love me. Praise you, Jesus, you love me. Took a couple days. I had pulled myself into a hole. I allowed self to rise up. But here's the thing, folks. We... We're never, capital N, never created for ourselves. Ever. We were created to do one thing, and that is be the image of who? Did you hear that? I have been created to be the image of God. Not just in the image, but to reflect the image of God. Yeah. Oh, that's sacrilegious. No, that's the Bible. That's right. yeah. But that's not very humble. That is humble. I heard this the other day. You ready for this awesome definition of pride and humility? Oh, I love this one. I can't remember who said it. Even Dan Muller. I guess it's probably Dan Muller. Humility, true humility is surrendering to what God says you are. And what does he say we are? His children, his adopted children. I'm spitting everywhere, it's crazy. <laughs> his adopted kids that he loves. And he looks at me with eyes not based on who I am now, but who he's created me to be. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Woo! How many Christians do you see sitting around going, Humility, true humility is surrendering to what, G, what God has said about you. And you know what pride is? Pride says, God, I don't believe what you say about me. So I'm going to believe what I think. That's pride. That's setting your ideas above his. Setting your thinking above his. So you better believe I'm going to sit here and say, I am all things in Christ Jesus, baby. I am. I am free, and I'm being set free. I am loved. I'm forgiven. With my chin in the air. Oh, why? Because you're haughty? No, because I've been saved. And my daddy loves me. And just in case you didn't know, my daddy is pretty big. We were never created for ourselves. We were created be the image of God. Let's finish up Colossians 3 here real quick. Therefore, verse 12, everybody likes those therefores. That means, take a look here. Therefore, as God's chosen people, where are you? As God's chosen people, where are you? Seven of you? God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. I like that. Holy, set apart, dearly loved. It's coming down on you like Niagara Falls. Holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion towards who? Kindness towards who? Humility towards who? 
Gentleness towards who? Patience towards who? Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone. Do you know how dangerous? I preach this about once a year, but do you know how deadly it is to your spiritual life to not forgive? I said deadly. Nothing will knock you in a pit that you feel like you can't get out of like unforgiveness. I can't forgive that person. Well, the Lord had no business forgiving you either. But he said, I want you to forgive as I have forgiven you. He says, plus, you're not supposed to be relying on what you can muster up. I have so forgiven you, there's plenty of forgiveness to rush out of you. Rub off on somebody else. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord, what? Forgave you. And over all those virtues, here comes the big word, put on what? Love. Which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. I want Mitch to come over and encourage me by singing me a song. Can you do it, Mitch? That's what we're called to do. And yet, how many times, I don't want to get off a spur route, but how many times we show up on a Sunday morning to do our thing? What is our thing? Sit in my pew, in my butt crevice, for years. You say, oh, that's, that's, that's rough. No, that's truth. That I've had there for years, I, I kind of, well, I don't really have one because I move around too much, but it's real. And you sit there, and I see it in people's faces. Now, I'm good, and I'm here to maybe sing, and I'm here to maybe pray, and I'm here to listen to some teaching that better feed me, and then I'm going home. And eat lunch and watch football. Or whatever you're going to watch. Now, I know I'm being a little extreme, but guess what? Really, you know what church is? When I shut up, and the rest of you start living it right here. There you go. And then you take it out in the four walls and you stand it and you, and you live it out there. That's church. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. In verse 17, whatever you do, I, I would really appreciate all of us. I'm reading out of NIV, but it doesn't matter what translation you got. Let's read 17 together. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all. Oh, let's try it again. Do it what? All in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Okay, here's our thing. What is our identity? My identity is this. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong, they are weak. He is strong. Jesus loves me. That's my identity. And far too many people have lost that. They're too wrapped up in, well, how do I quit sinning? How do I get out of this stuff? Or I just can't, I give up. Or nothing's happening in my life around me. Or society and, and whatnot is just in the way. The Lord's going, but I love you. And you are to be filled with my what? Love. So that when you get squeezed, when I put Nancy in a headlock, 
love should come pouring out. Now I'm using that symbolically. But when life puts you in a headlock, the last thing the enemy wants you to do is have love come out. He wants you to get ferocious. In fact, what he wants is anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. And I sit back and I'm going, <laughs> why? how easy it is to fall into the, the lies of the enemy. This life, I'm not even a part of this world anymore, folks. Are you? This world's got nothing for me. But God is in this place. My home is in heaven. But God has called me here. What did I just say? God has what? Called me here. And God has called you here. God, what do you want me to do with my life? Be here and reflect me. But God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to work? Who do you want me to marry? Wherever you, you, you feel led. But be me. Be love to the world right here. That's your calling. You say, but what? Aren't we supposed to be on our knees for years trying to find out what God wants us to do with our lives? Well, he already told you. He was already very clear. When he said, go into all the world. You are a light in the world. You're, you're my representation here on earth. Don't you get that? And how many of us too often don't? We get wrapped up with, am I called to mission work? Oh gosh, I hope not. Am I called to pastoral work? Oh, no. Am I called to be an evangelist? Am I called to be a prophet? Do I have the gift of healing? Do I have the gift of the words of knowledge? Do I have any of these things? Maybe I, I, I'm going to go sit down with Lane, and Lane's going to do a gifts, a gifts workshop with me, one-on-one. -on -one. Well, that's great, because it's important to know your gifts, but I'm going to tell you what, then we go and find out our gifts, and they sit right here, and we're still trying to figure out what God's doing with us. And that seems like Lane and I think Dwayne, when you guys have taught that, they can't help, they can't take you by the hand. They give you that information. The Lord leads you. They can't take you. But the problem is we're trying to make it too hard. You want to know why? Everybody ready? Because many times we try to make our calling our identity. Oh, I'm a missionary. I'm something special. That's my identity. No, no. -uh. That's no more your identity than being a cashier at Food Lion. Oh, I remember one girl one time said, I hadn't seen her since high school. She saw I was a pastor, and she's like, oh, you're doing pretty well for yourself, huh? And I'm sitting there in my mind going, what in the world is she talking about? <laughs> you're a pastor and all. And I'm like, <sighs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys right now, I love you, 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 and you, you, and you, but I'm in trouble. My identity, I'm in trouble, man. I'm in trouble. There is, there's always people not happy. There's always good encouragers, but it's, it's, it, you know what? I can't bank on that. I can only bank on that Jesus loves me, this I know. And I've been granted all authority to walk through this life declaring truth, 
and watching him use me to throw seed, plant seed, and see him grow it and grow it and grow it and grow it and watch lives be changed. You know what bear fruit is? Bear fruit, that sounds awesome. How I many know we're called to bear fruit, right? But here's the cool part. When you bear fruit, what's, what, what is it about fruit? They have what in them or out of them, depending on dictionary? Seeds. So if I'm bearing fruit, that's multiplying the number of seeds. So the more fruit I bear, the more seeds that are getting cost, cast out. It's not just, oh, I bear, I bear to harvest a fruit. That's great. No. It's a legacy that keeps growing and growing and growing. And who's legacy? Who gets the glory? I want that. So our identity is not seen in what we do, but how we do it. How do we do it? By being love incarnate. You say, but that sounds like Jesus. That's, who's supposed to be living in us? See, I think sometimes we've made sacrilege something that's in the Bible. Well, I'm not the Savior of the world, no. But His life resides in me. And that's what the world needs. So when we get into God's presence, we start to see who we are and who we aren't, okay? So the Christian life, it's completely about reflecting God in every way. And this is only possible by being transformed in His presence. See, guys, we are called to do so much more than just go to heaven. And I've said that already. God's call and purpose for us is not just our identity. It flows from our identity in Him. So I want you to think about something real quick. How many know a little passage about Isaiah? He was in the, the throne room of heaven, and he hears God say, you know, Whom shall I send? Anybody remember that? He's, he's there in the throne room. Whom shall I send? I'm going to ask everyone a quick question. Was God talking to Isaiah? Was God talking to Isaiah? Isaiah, for all we know, was bowed down, hunkered down behind one of the columns of heaven, not even making his presence even known. God was not talking to Isaiah. God was talking to the heavenly host about whom shall presence. And it just so happened that Isaiah, being in his presence, was within earshot and heard me send me how many times we say what's God got for my life get in his presence get in his presence well I've tried for how long just get in his presence he may not even be speaking directly to you you just get to hear what he's got to say and suddenly you're like, oh, send me. Yes. When God said, whom shall I send? He was talking about, he was really referring to who? Anybody in him. Who's hearing that right now? Yes. So here's the thing. It wasn't directed at Isaiah. It was for anyone and everyone. See, in Christ, Nancy is saved. Amen. Amen. In Christ, Nancy is sanctified. And in Christ, Nancy is sent forth. Same way. She's sent forth. So what are we sent forth to do? Well, here it is. Everybody want to know the calling on your life? You ready? Here it is. 
We're called to bear the image of God. Is that it? Okay. Here, I'll one up for you in case some of you were getting a little over-analytical on me here. You have been called to bear the image of God. You have been called in the here and now, right here, to restore the image of God in a place where God has been removed in our federal buildings, in our, in our society. You've been called to restore it. How so? By being the image of God Almighty. Allowing His love, His grace, His mercy to come flowing through you into this society. No, no, no. What I want to know is if I'm supposed to be a missionary, am I supposed to work at a big company? Great. Yeah, I believe the Lord sometimes makes it clear if you're supposed to go here, there, or yon. But you know what? The bigger issue is whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. As doing unto the Lord. Whatever you do. I love what St. Augustine said. And you have to hear what he, his heart here. Because the way he said it, you can kind of read it a couple ways. But he said, first love, then do whatever else you think to do. God's image, well, who is love? So if you are bearing God's image, wherever you go, you really become a good utility person, don't you? It don't matter where you are. People are going to, get, people are going to receive seed, and it's going to grow in them. We're going to see people saved. Amen? And here's the crazy part, Aaron Thompson. You ready for this? See, you're called to be Jesus in this world. And there is no backup plan. You are his plan. You're calling on your life. You, you receiving what Christ says about you, believing it, then letting it flow out of you to everyone else, that is God's plan. That is his plan. See, we're not just called to tell people about Jesus. We're called to show Jesus to people. Can I say that one more time? We're not called to tell people about Jesus. We're called to show Jesus to people. And how do you do that? By letting his life reside where it belongs in you. We're called to love. Quite honestly, we don't even have the authority to dictate otherwise. We don't have the authority to dictate. I'm going to tell you what. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to probably touch in on something that could get me stoned here in a minute, and that's okay. Then I'll just be with Jesus a lot quicker. <sighs> Isn't it interesting how we find every excuse in the world as to why not fulfill maybe what God wants to do through us when it comes to people? How many have felt at least once in their lives that life would be easy if it weren't for people? Oh, I'll be honest with you. Pastoring would be a whole lot easier. That's about it, isn't it? That's what it boils down to. It'd be a whole lot easier. How many people struggle loving people? And we use them as an excuse as to not fulfill and walk out our calling. Now, I've seen people try to push past it, but in their own strength. So then what they do is they become a little high and mighty, especially in the church world. 
And they begin to come, become very critical of those around them. Well, if you did this and you did this, well, I disagree with you on this, and da 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 And pretty soon you walk out of the church going, I don't feel very encouraged right now. In fact, I don't ever want to darken these doors again. Well, the problem is that... And they got a, a person who thinks they're a little high and mighty when it comes to spiritual things, they have a people problem. And they got to put themselves above everybody else. Oh, I've been there. I've been there. There are also those that say, oh, <laughs> I'm too young to do this. I'm too young to be in the pastor. I remember when I got in the pastor at about 30 years old, uh, we were down in uh, Chile, and uh, there was an Argentine uh, pastor and his wife there, and they were questioning a little bit about my age, because I guess in Argentina, there's no such thing as 30-year-old pastors. Just too young. And all I could do was go back and think of what Paul said to Timothy. Don't let them look down on you because of your age. All right, now here comes the stoning part. There are also those that say, I'm too old. Been there, done that. I've served my time. Church, God's not really interested in your age when he says, whom shall I send? He's not interested, but my health stuff. Yep. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Even if it means someone comes visit me because I got a health issue and I share Jesus and somebody gets saved sitting on my couch. Amen? Hey, I, I, let's just be honest with each other. Age has nothing to do with the call on your life. Health has nothing to do with the call on your life. Why is that? Because in everything you do, do it as doing unto the Lord. Reflecting Him. My sweet sister today, and I'm going to keep it very short because I want to be very sensitive to it, but my dear sister Donna. Donna, do you mind if I just speak just for a moment about Brother Barry? Brother Barry was here about three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago. Brother Barry Cook, he passed away two weeks ago. He was the brother that uh, I'd shared with some of you before, and he'd been given a week, and he, Lord gave him an additional five weeks. And in, during that five weeks, boy, he impacted a lot of lives. Even the years, the weeks prior, the months prior. But there was a life, and, I, I, and at the funeral, and this, this has set here with me, and I've shared this with more people in the last couple weeks than I, than I know what to do with. I said, the thing that I love the most about Barry is he did not allow his presence. would get down, gauge where his faith was. He would get down. He would be troubled because he's hurting. Because things aren't, you know, he would like to be, you know, physically turned around. But that did not change his identity in Christ. So therefore, when you were with him, he didn't have a problem sharing maybe a frustration, but guess where it always came back to? Jesus. God is good in spite of. He's awesome. And it just completely changed. I'm telling you, not much has changed me like this has recently. 
I cannot allow my present stuff to gauge what I know is true about God and what He has said about me. I can't. Because if I do, I'm in a pit. And then I cannot fulfill what I believe God wants to fulfill in me. And what is that? To represent Him to the world. And always. I'm going to finish up with this. You know, Ephesians 4 talks about specific offices in the church that God wants to use. And it's the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher, the uh, prophet... And he says, I've set those particular ones out, however he calls them, to equip everyone else for good works, for, good, for service, for representing Christ. I'm there to equip you. And that's awesome. But he doesn't stop there, and I need you to hear me. He goes on to say in Hebrews... Chapter 10, verse 25. Do not forsake the gathering. The getting together. Don't forsake it. Don't stop getting together. Why? Because you guys need to encourage each other while today is still called today. In fact, it even says in the prior verse, verse 24, it says, encourage those. Spur them on to good deeds. Why is that so important? Let's see. And let us consider how we may what? Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. What is that saying? Nancy, you're the one I'm getting picked, that's getting picked on. Here. Nancy, I'm just encouraging you today. You're going to run to some people today that just need to see Jesus. Just need to be loved on. No matter how they're responding. Oh, you can do this. Why? Because it's not you. Give you love today. Amen? And you are today. God's going to give you love today. His love to just minister to people today. Later on today. At this ice cream fellowship, I hope revival breaks out at the ice cream fellowship. Wouldn't that be awesome? Augusta Blue be playing the background music for a great revival in the backyard of White Hill Church of the Brethren. Where we just realize, wow, I've been called to love people. I've been called to be God's love to this world. I've been called. I need to stop trying to figure out what God wants to do with me. I've been called to be Him to the world. So that puts us all on even ground in Christ, doesn't it? We're all integral and we need each other. Absolutely need each other. You've been called. Please don't shut it down. Far too often we try to avoid it or we overthink it. He says, just, you are in my image. I want to hit the factory reset button and bring you back to what I created you to be in the first place. Lord, keep changing us. Keep changing us, Lord. You've called us. You've called us to mighty things. And we praise you for that. Now, I thank you for every person in here. This is, today's all about encouraging people to take hold of what God has said about them. That they press into his presence and be transformed by his love, by his grace, by his mercy. And begin walking out what they've been called to. And it's not a hard thing. In fact, you said your, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. It's not hard because it's you in us. 
streams of living water. God, move in our midst. That when we walk out, get out of our pews, we love those around us. We speak truth to those around us. We speak encouragement to those around us. We, we speak equipping to those around us, spurring them on to love and good deeds. That as they walk out of these doors and, and get in their cars and either go to restaurants or back to their homes or go to friends' homes, Lord, it is you, you in them that people see. God, I want to thank you right now in Jesus' name for your love, for your grace, for your mercy that you've given me. Now, Lord, I want people to see it as well when they see me. God, you're good. I can't say that enough. I want to thank you right now in Jesus' name for drawing our hearts to you, drawing our lives to you, knowing that our identity is in the fact that, Jesus, you love us, sending us out. You've saved us. You've sanctified us and you're sending us out. God, thank you. In Jesus' holy name. Just stand and we'll finish, finish up here. In his wonderful face And the things of earth Will grow strangely dim In the light of his glory Love you guys. Have a wonderful week.